it was really awful. And I, I realized it. And I went to talk to, talk to my manager. My manager talked to the CEO. And suddenly everybody knew about it. Yeah. And, and I was expecting the worst. Like, I'm still working for this company. And, uh, uh, well, and, and the CEO just comes and says, you, you know, this is a very difficult system. And uh, things like that happen all the time. Uh, we will, don't worry, we will do the disaster recovery, just don't do it again. Uh, uh, that was a relief, and, and also called me to be more careful, to work harder, to be grateful. And that was more effective than yelling at me and make me feel pain for my failure. But I just wanted to tell you that no matter, no matter how, how long have you been a disciple, or if you're coming here for the first time, or you're here with your faith hanging from a threat, or, or you're here because you have to, you didn't have choice. Your husband, your wife, your parents made you come here today. Uh, I will ask you one thing and answer this question when the service finishes, and it's this. How do you know God is with you? How do you know He got you? How do you know He's backing you? How can you have this confidence? Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Father. You're the Father. You, you, you own everything. You know everything. Uh, Father, you know the present. You know the future. You control everything. You give us all we need and much more. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for, for the gospel. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the teaching, Father, that you give us every day. Thank you because we can work with our hands and we can worship you and glorify your name every day, Father. Thank you because you give us life and thank you because of this Sunday with your word, Father, with your church, with the songs, with the brothers, with the people coming here, maybe first time, Father. We want to pray so you can encourage this congregation. We want to pray, Father, so you can take people that maybe was never interested in the gospel, Father, and transform these people in something are different, Father. People that is really on fire for Jesus. We pray so people can live here taking decisions, Father, being changed, being transformed uh, by Christ and by your Holy Spirit. Father, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in Christ. We believe in you. And we know that you know all, Father. Uh, Father, thank you for your love and for the scripture, for the Bible, for Genesis, for Jacob. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Genesis 28. Uh, I'm going to use some rights a little bit from last week's. Uh, from last week, we saw that Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Israel. Now, God promised to Isaac that he had a descendants through Jacob, not through Esau. You know? And that was before the, the twins were born. Now, looking at Jacob, you can at Jacob, Isaac wanted to help God. You know? He said, I'm going to make things move here. Because... For some reason, Isaac had some preference for Esau. And, and Esau, he, he maybe thought, well, Esau has two wives. They're like demons. But they're, at least they can have kids. You know, they, he can have descendants. And he maybe thought, well, he's a tough guy. He's, he's a real man. You know, he's, he's a good hunter, a good cook. Probably, I think God, you know, made a mistake. This is the guy. So I'm going to bless him. Uh, but this wasn't God's plan. And he knew it. Now, Jacob, on the other side, he also knew God's plan. And his mom also knew God's plan. So, yeah. he also wanted to help God make things move. 
So they put in a scheme in place to take advantage of the fact that Isaac was blind and steal the blessing that Isaac wanted to give to Esau. And, and the plan succeeded. Yeah, we know that from last week. So mm-hmm. it looks like everybody wanted to give a hand to God to do his job. Now, Esau is upset when he realizes that all that happened, and he's just expecting the moment where Isaac dies to go and kill his brother. But Rebecca, the mom, she gets to know that, so she plans to tell Isaac, you know, go and send Jacob to my brother's house so he can get a wife there because I don't like this Esau's wife. Uh, so now we have Jacob, a homeless man, running for his life. He's around the 70s. Single guy and skinny. And mama still packs his lunch. And in fact, he's not even a good schemer because the plan backfires and it wasn't even his idea. After all this, it looks like Esau won. And Jacob got the blessing, but now he has to taste a little bit of his own medicine with his uncle. He has to wait, to wait 20 years to come back. He had to bow down before Esau. And now, this is not in this story that we're going to explain today. If you want to know that, you have to come for the next Sundays. Okay? So, uh, he got the blessing, but now he's a homeless fugitive. Esau is staying, and Jacob is away from the parents and from the promised land. So it doesn't look good for him. And that's where we're now. We're going to read Genesis 28. We're going to read in verse 10. Come on. Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Iran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his stop reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And we stopped there. Jacob was running for his life. And his plan was to go to look for a wife. And his journey he stopped a certain place. So the Bible mentioned the place several times. And people think that this is the place where years later they were going to build a temple. And people think that this is the same place where Abraham uh, was going to sacrifice Isaac. I'm sure Isaac knows the place here. Uh, so, so there is a stairway in this dream he has, and, and there is there are angels going up and down. Now there is this stairway showing there is a connection between God and Esau and, and Jacob, and also there are angels there. And, and the reason why you have angels is like saying, you know, Jacob, whatever I'm going to say, whatever I'm going to decide, these angels are there making sure things are going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to carry over whatever I'm going to decide. So just pay attention. So we have angels. We believe in angels. There is stairway and all that good stuff there. So uh, remember, at this point, Jacob was not looking for God. He was one of the promise. He didn't want God. Now, something amazing happens now. God introduces himself 
to Jacob, saying, I am the Lord. But he says something. He says, I am the Lord of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He never says, I'm your God. He never says, I'm Jacob's God. He didn't say that. And it's like saying, it's like God saying, I'm not your God. I know it. And I'm, I, I know I'm not the most important thing for you. Now, Jacob also knew this. He was aware. Because before that, if you go back, we're not going to read that chapter 27, verse 20. Verse 20, sorry. It's clear. He says, uh, the Lord, your God, talking to Isaac, he gave me success trying to hunt this animal. So, I, I, if you don't remember, that's fine. You can go. Genesis 27, 20. Uh, and you can read it for yourself. But basically, he was acknowledging God is not his God. He has some knowledge of God. Surely with uh, Grandpa Abraham and, and, and Father Isaac, some knowledge. Now, how will God introduce himself to you today? Will he say, hi buddy, I'm your God. Yeah. Well now, this is the question. I, 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 I'm asking you to ask the question for you. How will God introduce himself to you today? Right. How do you know God is with you? Do you remember? How do you know he got you? That he knows you. That he will say, I know you. I know who's your name. Now, if you want to, to, to know that, stay, stay here with me, please. Amen. So, uh, chapter 28, verse 13. We keep reading here, verse 13. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. Listen to this. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. No one has ever heard before this from God. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. How do you think this homeless fugitive felt when he's hearing God saying, I will not leave you, leave you until I have finished everything? Now, I have a problem. And, and I, I have this problem frequently. And this is my problem. God is giving grace to Jacob. That's my problem. Uh, <laughs> what did Jacob deserve from God? Punishment, perfect. He deserved, he deserved curse, punishment, death. That's what he deserved. You know, he, this is the problem. That's what he deserved. He didn't receive, he didn't receive that. Now, let's, let's go to Proverbs 6, 6, 9, 16. 6, 16. You don't have to go there, but please listen to this. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Holy eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness reports of lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community or in the family. Now, 
God hates liars, deceivers, schemers, blasphemers. Jacob. Jacob should have died for what he had done. I mean, do, do you agree with this? I mean, that's what the Bible is telling here. Now, check this now. Proverbs 17, 15. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. So God cannot acquit Jacob. He cannot exonerate him. It's not possible. He doesn't change. That is not in his character. So now, do you understand my problem here? Do you understand how is that have an issue? Understanding how can God give grace to Jacob? So the most so appropriate the communion today uh, about, about this subject. Now, I want to explain two things. You have heard two words, mercy and grace. I think everybody has heard this. At least 99% of people in this room. Mercy and grace. And I want to, to explain this. What did Jacob deserve? Deserve punishment. Curse. Did he receive what he deserved? He didn't. That's what we call mercy. When you don't receive what you deserve. In a negative sense. Now, that's, that's mercy. Grace. Did he deserve what he received? No. No. No, he didn't, he didn't deserve that. That's what we call grace. When you don't deserve what you receive. So, he got both. He got mercy. He got grace. Yeah. So, now... Still, how can God give this promise to Jacob? The first thing we have to understand here is that God's promise does not depend on Jacob wanting so bad. Yeah. It doesn't depend on that. In fact, it depends on God's mercy. Yeah. And, and you think on Isaac, Isaac too. He made an effort to give the promise to Esau. Isaac made an effort to give the promise to Esau. But it didn't depend... On Isaac wanted Esau to have the promise so bad. This doesn't depend on that. Therefore, remember, this promise did not depend on Jacob. Any man wanted. Now, besides that, Jacob also tried to get the promise by his own means. And, and you know, what God says, I'm doing it away from free. You know, I was checking, well, what are the conditions, the if, the if sentence? For God, like, I, I'm going to yeah. give you that if. I was trying to find the if. There is no if here. There is no condition. It was nothing. I double check. I please help me to double check. Now, now I, make me, uh, make me remember uh, something here. I, this is, this is God's, God's grace that makes me remember something. Uh, we were just married with Patricia. And, well, you know, people usually when you're married... Just married, you don't have a lot of uh, money, so uh, I want to give her a, a good time. So I, I told a friend before leaving uh, for a vacation. We had a vacation already, but it was like kind of modest thing that we want to do. And I told him, you know, I want to do something. Uh, we go on vacation. So he told me, why don't you talk to our common friend and you ask him to ask his mom. To give you a ticket to ride on the cruise to the island. No? That's expensive. But I didn't even I didn't even know that guy very well. But I want to give something nice to my wife, so I swallow my pride. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, uh, 
Hey, can you please tell your mom to give me a ticket? <laughs> he gave me the tickets. Wow. He gave me that. And I was so happy. That was a blast. You can ask it. It was so cool. Uh, we didn't pay for it. We didn't deserve that. It was free. He didn't ask me 20 years later, Hey, do you remember when, you know? That didn't happen. That's, that's grace. That was God was giving to Jacob. Grace. Until now we know, we know that to receive God's grace, we have to forget about our own efforts and doing things in our own way. Because it does not depend on us wanting or working hard for it. You know, you follow me here. Okay. Now, still thinking, how can he receive God's mercy? No, I know it's free and all that good stuff, but how, how can that be true? Well... Now, remember this. God is going to use Jacob to build a country. Now, the name of this country is Israel. Israel is the country that is going to come through Jacob. So Jacob was Israelite 1.0. Okay? Now, if you were God headhunter, will you hire this guy? Honestly. Now, resume. He's a very good liar. A spur of ripping off blind man. Yeah. Mommy packs his lunch. He's a blasphemous. He's a living at parents' home at his seventies. <laughs> uh, I can easily identify myself with this Jacob. I'm also a deceiver receiving God's grace, you know. Uh, it's, 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 very, it's, it's hard when someone asks you to, hey, can you please... Go and preach to the church. And you know, because you know that your mouth, my mouth, is not worthy of this name. Mm -hmm. But we have what we call grace. I remember, I remember I was in college. I was in college and I want to live, you know, college life. And I have a, a, a grandpa that was rich. So I... He, he was helping me with my college things, tuition and all that. But I used to call him and tell I need money, and I asked him double for what he needs to go and then spend the rest on my things. I, I was deceiving the person I was trusting. And that's my nature when I have this incident at the office. Believe me, the first sensation is how to cover up. Yes. Yeah. How to cover up. That, that's in me, that's there. No, I have to pray. I have to be careful. This is my nature. I'm not really different from, from Jacob there. Now, if God succeeds with Jacob, we will say it's a miracle, right? Oh, yeah. We say that. We will know God made it. We know God made it. Now, you can say, well, good for Jacob. Good for the Israelites. Good for the Jews. But I'm not Jew. I'm not Israelite. I don't even have an Israelite name. Uh, so why should I care? Matter of fact, I want to tell you that God expressed the same promise after to all the nation, not just to Jacob. But the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment of this, and this is great, this is awesome, is we have to read this together. Matthew chapter 1. Going back to Genesis later, so put it there, put your, I don't know, your little marker. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. 
Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God, I don't know if you, you get this. This is great. This is not just for Jews. This is not just for Israelites. This is for everybody. God is with us. No, this is like God saying, I'm so serious about abiding with men that I'm going to live with them. I'm so serious about it. Here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going with them. I'm going to make it happen. Now, Jesus' birth is a sign that God is serious about it. Yeah. That's why He came here. And, and the best of all, you know, this is the Gospel of Matthew. And see how it starts Matthew. Now, I want you to put attention to this. Let's go to Matthew 28. Something that, I mean, 90% of people can say this. Just, you know, a memory. Matthew 28, verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. See, it starts with God with us. Okay? Jesus being a sign of that. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Take this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What about that? No, God is bringing it home here with this scripture. Amen. Starting with I'm with you. Finishing with, I'm with you. You know what God wants you to do not forget? I am with you. Yeah. He's telling the beginning. He's telling at the end. So if someone asks you about the sermon, what are you going to say? Well, God wants to be with me. Right. He wants to. He really wants to do it. Now, this promise is a big deal for God. No? In the same way God promises Israel, I'm with you. Yeah. Jesus here is promising the disciples... I'm with you to the very end of the age. Now, again, I just want you to notice this. For who is this promise? This promise is for disciples. Jesus is talking to the disciples. Now, if you're a disciple in this room, reading this should be thrilling. This should be thrilling. Jesus wants to bring us home. Now, where is home? I'm telling you something, it's not this place. Home right. is in heaven. Amen. And He wants to take us there, and He wants to hang out with us in heaven. Amen. That's what He wants. So He's serious about it. And, and, and you remember that Jacob, at that point of his life, he needed that encouragement. And with you, he was just you know, trying to, to escape from death. Now, Jesus is doing the same with the disciples. They were going to do something big. They're going to everywhere. They need this kind, this kind of encouragement. You know, verse 16 says that some of them were doubting. Verse 17 says some of, some of them were doubting. They need that. They need to, to hear from Jesus. 
I am with you. Now, uh, we are entrusted here with the same mission. Amen. And we need to hear the same thing. Go and make disciples. So they can also follow Christ. You know? If you're a disciple of Christ, you can have this kind of confidence. Jesus is with you. What does it mean that Jesus is with you? It means that while you do Matthew 28, He will guide you. He will encourage you. He will, he will make you love your Bible. He will make you go to church and love it. He will give you boldness. And, and think about that first time when you went, or if you haven't, the first time where you probably go to the first Bible study with our maybe more mature disciple with you. You know? How's it going to feel knowing that Jesus is with you that time? You know that God promises do not depend on us wanting so bad or how hard we work for it, but it's a free gift. And God is so serious that He sent Jesus here to show us that He come here to live with us. God gave grace to Jacob in spite of his deception. Now, let's finish here on, our text. Genesis 28, verse 16. Genesis 28, verse 16. It says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it as a pillar and poured oil on it. On top of it, he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I'm, I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all of that you give me I will give you a tent now I just want to uh, say something here very important and when Jacob awakes he realizes something about God he realizes God is everywhere. Yeah. God is everywhere. Now, I know that, yeah, we all know God is everywhere. Well, it seems like he didn't know, yeah. but he did. What, I want, what, what do I want to say with it? Well, did not God, Jacob, God, God was everywhere? No. Don't we all know God is everywhere? No. no. Didn't he learn that from Abraham and Isaac? Probably. Surely he did. But uh, I want to ask you this. When was the last time you say to yourself, God is here with me? When you were there driving to work or working or doing yard work or whatever and thinking God is here like, like you're yelling to your kids and thinking God is here while you do that. I, I don't think so. No, or maybe slacking at work and you're thinking God is here with me I don't think we're thinking all the time and we're aware of the presence of God yeah. the, the truth is rarely I don't know for you but rarely we think about it 
I can drive my car 45 minutes to work and not even think about it. And Jacob was amazed. It was like an epiphany. It was a realization. God is with me and God is here. I want you to understand the fact that God is everywhere and that that's important doesn't mean that we have communion with Him. God is everywhere doesn't mean that we have communion with Him. Now, do you follow this? Maybe yeah. it doesn't, it's not easy to understand. You know, it's, it's, it's important. It's yeah. important to make an effort here. God is yeah. with all, it's, 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 it's with everybody because He's everywhere. He's everywhere. But it does not mean that He knows you, He knows your name, that He's your God. Sure. At least it wasn't the case for Jacob. At least not here. Not before this moment. That what we call here a Bethel moment. Now, Jacob awake and he's afraid. And you didn't see God threatening Jacob. Right. He's not saying, you know, Jacob, I know why you did. Yeah. You should be afraid. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't do that. That's right. it's, it's not in his mind. No, but he's, he's, he's afraid. And I tell you this. When a person really comes to know God, there is fear. Yeah. A healthy fear. Suddenly, we realize how crooked we are when we see God. And that's good. That's good. That's not bad. That's good. If yep. you feel that, that's good. Something is happening. This is your Bethel moment. You're realizing things now. Yeah. Now, God is holy. God is pure. There is no lying or deceiving Him. You remember the scripture was read this morning for communion. There is no deceiving on, on God. And suddenly... Suddenly, Jacob is able to see clearly who he is. So God didn't need to tell Jacob anything about his deception, his lies, his scheming, because he came to personally come to know God at this point. And when a person knows God, everything about his life becomes clear. There is no way we can have a new relationship with God unless we have... A new relationship with sin. Yeah. Oh, what does it mean? Well, it means that we start paying attention right. to what we talk, to who are our friends, to who, how do we treat others, to what, to what we see, to what we hear, how do we spend money, how do we use time. Right. Suddenly, all those things comes as being important. It wasn't before. You have a new relationship with sin. That's what. It's happening with Jacob here. Now, if you're still sitting here and you consider yourself a good person, you still consider yourself a good person, it's because you haven't met God yet. Because you don't know Him yet. God is calling you to know Him. So you can know who you are. We know we know God when we fear Him. Now, Jacob took God at His word. He believed God personally, and it's no longer a borrowed faith from his parents. Now, after this vision, Jacob awakens, and decisions are taken. He did not delay. He did not say, God, you know, I'm not ready yet, dude, you're in the 70s. You're in the 70s. So, he said, I'm going to do this now. And and, uh, at this moment, there was an eagerness, an urgency to clear things up with God. So he made a vow that very day, that very morning. Now, 
People will say, oh, Jacob is putting conditions of God. If God does this, then I do that. I will encourage you to read that if in Jacob, when he says uh, at the end, uh, if God will be with me and he will watch over me and all these things. I will encourage you to read that if as a sense. It's more, since God is with me, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, and why do I believe that? Is because, because Jacob was fearful. Yeah. He understood. He knew. He took God as his word. He was obeying God. So Jacob did not want to forget the moment. Yeah. So what he's doing, he's setting a pillar. He's setting like a memorial. Yeah. I don't want to forget. It's so important. I don't want to forget. I'm going to put a stone here. I'm going to put oil. I don't want to forget. So Jacob didn't mention the land in his vow, but, but God giving him the basic things. Yep. And the most important, he say, I, God is going to be my God. Amen. That's what he wants. Yeah. It's no longer about the promise. It's about God and going back to that land. Amen. And Jacob offers God a tithe. Now I want to explain a little bit here. He says, I'm going to give back to God what attend what he gave me. And God is promising Jacob to give him land and offspring. So hundreds of years later, he's getting back to God. His descendants are going back to God. A part of the offspring and a part of the land. A tenth of the land and a tenth of the offspring. The descendants, years Hundreds of years later, I'm giving that back to God, honoring Jacob's vow. So that's very important how strong was this commitment of Jacob. Amen. Some people never look for God's mercy. And unfortunately, they're gone before they have another chance. Right, yeah. Think about Esau. Amen. He could have repented. He had the chance to it. Yep. When all this issue with Jacob happened, that was a wake-up call for him. Awake. Repent. He didn't do it. On the flip side, if Jacob had not obeyed his father, he wouldn't have this moment. That's right. He had never met God at this place. Yeah. And there is something special with obedience in God. Yeah. Some of you have been coming... For a long time to this church. You have listened. The word preached every Sunday. But still don't decide. To embrace God's mercy. This word. Is encouraging you. To be eager. And take God at his word. Going back to Jacob. God's vision changed him completely. completely. He understood the only thing that matters. Is to be with God. How do we call that? We call that repentance. And I want to go back to communion. And the answer on how do I know God is backing me simply because He promised so. And He showed it by giving us Jesus. The Bible says, 2 Peter, that Jesus had no deceit. He never sinned. He was perfect. So God can forgive Jacob, Isaac, David, Noah, you and me and everybody because of Jesus. No, Jesus was, was considered guilty from God from, from all our sin. He put it under Him. 
And then he took all that righteousness and he put it on, he put it on us. Yeah. He made a swap. Yeah. And that's how, that's how he can have mercy. So yeah. that's how the problem is solved. Because Jesus took it. That's how it happens. Yeah. Now we can have the confidence God is with us. Because Jesus died for it. And his sacrifice yeah. is so powerful. That it's good enough for the past and future sins. God is saying, I am with you. But the coin has two sides. For those of you who have put the faith in Christ and been baptized in His name. He's there to keep you. He's there to protect you. He's with you. He wants to take you to heaven. He wants to hang out with you for eternity. That's what He wants to do with the disciples. But if that's not your situation, this is the deal. Take the promise. Take it. That's it. Take it. Jesus has promised He will be with His disciples until the end of the age. Ask one of the disciples here, you know, show me how to follow Christ. Show me that. But really, I'm begging you, take one disciple and ask them, show me how to follow Christ. Ask for a personal Bible study. This is not... I mean, this personal Bible study is something that you haven't seen before. I'm telling you this. It's different for anything you have done before. You need to to come and see how it works. But I'm pleading with you, take the promise. Because your Bethel moment is coming. And see you next Sunday. Happy Father's Day.